And welcome to the Rough Cut Retrospective, episode 163, a podcast that talks about movies, television, pop culture, Ghibli, in the midst of a world burning around us. I'm your host, just a child going on a little whimsical quest, Carter Sims, and I'm joined, as always, by a man who has no plot, but the vibes are immaculate. That's right. It's Jackson Mahurin. Hey there, you little dust mite. What's up? Oh, I like the dust mites. That's a, that's a great uh, compliment. I'm a soot spray. So Woo! Oh, soot. Yeah, that's right. Soot spray. Yeah. That's even cuter. Sorry about that. You're cuter than a dust mite. Congratulations. <laughs> How are you? Good Hanukkah? I am so good. Had a great Hanukkah. I hope you did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's been eight crazy nights. Uh, yeah, it's been really good. Uh, contrary to popular belief, not an Adam Sandler episode today uh, based <laughs> on eight crazy nights. No, today... Uh, Jackson and I are discussing a little Ghibli Studio Ghibli conversation about mm-hmm. our our favorite movies from the the Japanese studio animation studio. We'll get into all of that and maybe talk about the Boy and the Heron, which we've uh, both seen, which mm-hmm. is exciting. We didn't yeah. know if we would get to, but we did it just for you guys, the listeners. So we'll get into all that in a little bit. But first, Jackson, tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. What were you into this Hanukkah week? Yeah, I was into a few things. Uh, first, we did a couple of new watches of some uh, Studio Ghibli stuff, which was really fun. Really nice. loved that, um, including The Boy and the Heron, which maybe we'll get into our theater experiences later, but it was really good. It was the busiest my uh, my theater has been that I've really? been to, which is crazy because we went last night on a Tuesday um at like 6 p.m and we're like surely there will be nobody here we might have this place to ourselves there was a line out the door um hey. it was really cold uh so, so that was fun nice um, really good experience there um i did a rewatch of everything everywhere all at once which i believe is my first rewatch since we've talked about it on the podcast and it was Ooh. fantastic once again very nice um i watched that on canopy so you know go to your local library and see if you have some uh free access to that because it is a great streaming service for free if you just have a library card not many people know about this mm, get to the library polls. guy um pokemon go to the library thank you and get your canopy uh which is good i rewatched nice. elf with abby and our friend i watched really elf fun. the other yeah. day yeah banger holds up holds up it's great um it honestly has become a background movie at this point where like we were just doing other stuff while we watched it and well, so it's good. a it's so a lockbox movie. Like you could probably oh, totally. quote that whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I watched this movie that was new to me, and I think I t- talked to you immediately after I watched it. I was like, "You need to watch this," and it's called The Family Stone. Mm, yeah. And basically, this is a Christmas movie that our guest was like, "Oh, we should watch this too." I've watched this, and it's funny. And this is like such a bad movie <laughs> but in like the craziest way so the cast is sarah jessica parker diane keaton luke wilson claire danes rachel mcadams and craig t nelson stacked and it's a stacked cast and essentially it's like this guy he's bringing home his girlfriend um uh, for like christmas and everyone hates the girlfriend and it's like supposed to be this journey of this girlfriend like winning over the family and it is not that she is so Sarah Jessica Parker, who is the main character, uh-huh. is maybe 
out of like a normal movie, like she's not a murderer or anything like that. She's like a regular everyday person. This is the worst version of a regular person you could ever be in your life. Like she is such a monster in this movie. Um, but like is like the victim all the way through. Like at one point, she insults uh her partner's uh gay deaf brother who has a black boyfriend and like does like oh what race is your baby gonna be and oh i just wish my kid wouldn't be gay and it became like this whole thing and it was awful and she's she got mad at everybody else but carter i'm gonna spoil it for you right now because this is insane the family stone you're gonna spoil it for me i'm gonna spoil the family stone you should still see it because i predicted this almost immediately like i feel like they're projecting it okay uh as soon as you go go in the the brother is not luke wilson i mean luke wilson is his brother but that's not the one that she's dating but by the end of the movie she dates him like she leaves her her partner to be with luke wilson and then her partner leaves her to be with her sister who also visits on like visits and stays with them and it's so stupid uh, you need to watch this movie it's so bad i loved it i gave it two brain. stars it was probably like a one star but it was so entertaining a generous it, two I, stars. I gave it another one yeah it was awesome I'm just reading your review. Everyone is so messy in this LMAO. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Good stuff. Well, I guess it's on Hulu. Okay. Check go check it yeah, out. Yeah. Check that out. <laughs> it might need to be like a punishment movie for the compadres at some point. Because it is brutal. I'll make Lauren watch it with me and she'll probably be like, that was cute. So we'll I see. think she'd like it. Like it's it's, so. it's funny. It's like reality TV if it was just a movie instead. Seems up her alley. That'd be great. Wonderful. Wow. Okay, you had a busy week. I love it. Oh yeah. What about you? Um, uh, for me, um, I haven't even mentioned this, but I've been plugging through Veep. I have been just nice, chugging nice. along. I have never watched it. I'm on season three now, so I'm really just just going, and it's it's lovely. So I'm enjoying that journey. Um, I know. I think you guys watched it. At least Bebo watched it. The Love Has One documentary on Max. She watched that. I think when we were recording last maybe oh so, so you I missed it i i missed it <laughs> but everyone else was having a, a blast watching it apparently pretty wild uh just some lovely you know cult stuff people thinking that they're god and and all that jazz selling drugs who's drink, amongst us Carter? you know who who hasn't drank silver because they think it cures all you know it's great stuff uh so that was pretty wild lauren and i breezed through that just a little three episodes um cults are crazy um for the first time i watched the og mad max this week Oh, nice. Okay. And I just got to say, it is crazy that this became like a, a phenomenon. <laughs> like this is a really it's strange, a franchise. Yeah. Like just a really weird indie Australian movie mm-hmm. that is just like really wacky. And then, and then that's, I guess this and Mad Max Fury Road are the only ones I've ever seen. And the fact that we went from whatever this was to Fury Road is incredible. To it's, me. it's different. So, I haven't seen the original at all or any other ones. Like I started with, Fury Road. Yeah, I started with Fury Road and they're just wacky, but I watched the Furiosa trailer and I was like, I want to go back and see what all this is about. So I'm I was still slowly... intrigued by Furiosa. Like, I feel like it's either going to be I don't know. I feel like it could be a flop. Like, maybe it's the Indiana Jones of this year, but yeah, I don't know. It, it can also be really fun because I loved Fury Road. Who knows? Chris Pratt or not Chris Pratt. Jeez. Chris Hemsworth doing the mm-hmm. looks like Fat Thor again. So he's got like a prosthetic nose. I think yeah. that's what it is more yeah. than anything. We'll see what, what's going on there. But I love Anya Taylor-Joy, so we'll see what, what goes on there. So, yes, uh, check that out. Lauren and I last night went to see Wish, mm. uh, the new Disney flick. And I will just say that I think it's 
a little overhated. I think it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It didn't blow blow me away by any means, but it's cute and nostalgic for the Disney fans. Very nostalgic, and like there's little Disney Easter eggs throughout to celebrate their 100 years. Woo! But <laughs> I will say that like much like Moana or like Frozen or Encanto, I don't think any of these songs are going to stand the test of time in this mm. Disney movie. So, so there's that. I think it's pretty forgettable when it's all said and done. But it was fine. I wasn't offended by it, but I wasn't like, whoa, go check out Wish. So yeah, it was fine. It was cute. Lauren and I both enjoyed it. So there was that. We were also the only ones in the theater. That tells you how nice. well this movie's doing. So <laughs> um, and we went on a Tuesday night, $5 ticket Tuesday, and no one was in there. Nice. So what can you do? Uh, and then finally, I checked out on Netflix, Leave the World Behind, which is this new uh, Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan mm. Hawke, like a a bumping cast, Kevin Bacon. Um, yeah, based on a novel, uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic novel. And I think Corbin drafted it. Uh, it's pretty good. The ending is a little sticky and doesn't quite land it, but there's some interesting ideas in there. I would recommend it because uh, the performances are great. Everyone's just got such charm. I love everyone involved is, in the movie. So, Is that the one that like talks about like this kid watching Friends like in yes. the apocalypse or something? That's cool. That's Correct. Neat. And the whole time she's like, because like they lose Wi Fi because of the apocalypse. I won't spoil yeah. what the apocalypse is. And she's just like, her whole strife is just she doesn't know how friends ends and she's upset by that. And I'm like, relatable. I get it. <laughs> I, I, if it were awesome. the apocalypse for me, I physical would media, way. guys. I know. And that made me scared. I, I came out of that. And I was like, I need to go buy some DVDs. So, I, yeah, it's a Netflix. Wait, like it came out through Netflix, right? Yeah. Or is it? So I don't know how to yeah. get my hands on re- that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I'm scared. I'm really scared. Anyway, <laughs> that's another apocalypse we may talk about someday. So we're in it. Um, before we get to some Ghibli stuff, I want to bring back a uh, dust off an old uh, an old relic and go to Newsflash. You think you're too cool for school, but I got a Newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. You aren't. And oldie but a goodie. Uh, oldie but a goodie, baby. I just want to talk about golden globes because we got some nominations on Mm -hmm. sunday or monday can't remember which but we got some golden globe noms i just want to point out the journey we've been on with the golden globes first and foremost that the hollywood foreign press association which was the group behind the awards uh there were some boycotts about them because they were corrupt and they were bribed and they were nominating things because of you know payoffs and things like that and Bad stuff. NBC did not air a 2022 show, but they still did the awards, which was just iconic stuff there. Uh, Since that time, the Globes kind of have worked to expand their membership, clean up its guidelines, reorganize itself. Uh, The HFPA is no longer a thing. It's a new organization now, so they've kind of cleaned that up. And so the show will be telecast this year, but by... um, not by NBC, which is, has been in the past, but it will be on CBS, which is interesting. Mm. And it'll also be streaming on Paramount Plus. On Paramount. Is, that's yeah. that's nice. So that's cool. So maybe that'll increase numbers for this. I don't know. But yeah, that's kind of where we are with the Globes. And I just wanted to hit some some quick points about them because, I mean, I think historically we were always like, oh, the Globes are a good sign for Oscar noms, but I don't think mm-hmm. that's much the case anymore. But it's still interesting to see that... Um, what happened? So Barbie is uh, the leader in all nominations. Ten nods, which is the second most nominated in its 81-year history of the show. So that's kind of neat. Wow. 
Uh, so go, uh, go Barbie. Oppenheimer's next with eight nominations, which is cool. So as you know, the Golden Globes, they deviate between drama and comedy slash musical. Yeah. Which is just wonderful. Insane. <laughs> uh, so just for the picture noms this year, the top drama prize, uh, the fighting will be between Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Anatomy of a Fall, The Zone of Interest, and Past Lives. So it's a pretty decent um, decent lineup there. And if you couldn't tell, the nominations are not five. It's six. Everyone has six nominations for some reason. I don't know why. They made that up. Power to them, I guess. Um, for best comedy slash musical, we have... There's one surprise in here. We have Barbie, American Fiction, Four Things, May, December, The Holdovers, and air air sneaks in so shout out to air there um but what you might be noticing here which might not bode well for you know some oscar predictions that the color purple not showing up Mm. uh in best comedy or musical category here which that feels like a very globesy movie to me isn't it also like just straight up a musical too like that's yeah the the musical of the year probably that's where the category that's where you would put it so yeah i don't know don't know what that means. Huh. It has like two acting nominations in the Globes, but yeah, no picture nom. So I don't know what that bodes well for its Oscar chances. We'll see what happens with that. Not sure. Um, but yeah, uh, in TV, I think, you know, Succession, The Bear, Only Murders in the Building are the biggies. I think Succession will probably clean up if I had to guess in the drama category. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't know. That would be my fingers crossed. Uh, I haven't checked out The Bear yet. Where Lauren and I are going to watch that. So I want to watch that too. We're getting on that, but yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, just quick surprises and and kind of things that I noticed. The first thing is that, uh, there is a new category this year, which the Oscars kind of tried, but this category is called cinematic and box office achievement. Uh, so they're going to give an award to one of these movies that they deem a cinematic and box office achievement. The nominees are Barbie, Guardians 3, John Wick 4, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, Across the Spider-Verse, Super Mario Brothers, and The Eras Tour. So is this like that one time when the Oscars were going to do those two categories and then they like bailed? Yeah, I think so. And I think the Globes were like, fuck it, let's try it. <laughs> I don't know how we determine a winner. I don't know what the qualifications are or like what we're deeming it off of. Like, is it box office earnings? Is it set? Like, I don't know what the parameters are. So I think it's still a little yeah. fuzzy, but I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> see what happens there. I don't know what, what that entails. So we'll see what happens there. And then just some quick noms. I wanted to mention Jennifer Lawrence nominated for no hard feelings, which is That's fun. Awesome. Nice comedy nod. I love that. And I just want to list off the actor in musical or comedy category because it is is wild. Uh, we have Nicolas Cage in Dream Scenario. Amazing. Timothy Chalamet in Wonka. That feels very globesy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt Damon in Air. Very globesy. Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Expected. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Expected. And then Joaquin Phoenix, Bo is Afraid. So. Ooh, okay. That's quite. Quite a really surprising mix there of yeah. uh, of things, and then just the final one is that best original song. Three Barbie songs are nominated, so shout out to them. Great stuff there. Um, but insane, yeah. I love it. 
kind of the globes little globes overview that they air on january 7th i believe so maybe we'll come back and be like oh that was wild we'll see maybe maybe we'll watch it i don't know i don't even really know who's hosting if anyone's hosting so we'll see what happens i don't know anything much more so that's our little news flash for you and now jackson let's get into some ghibli talk let's go into my process And amazing today, uh, as mentioned, we're going to talk about Studio Ghibli movies in honor of the boy and the heron or why do you live, which is what it's still called in Japan. I think it should have still be, been called that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But, uh, I think the boy and the heron may have been more marketable. I don't know. Well, who's to say there? But let me first start with uh, some background on Studio Ghibli with great Scott. Great Scott. And just some brief some brief things in case people don't know what studio Ghibli is. Uh, I didn't really know until like much later in my adult life, what Ghibli was and the whole, the whole uh, hype around it. So studio Ghibli obviously is a Japanese animation studio. Uh, the name Ghibli, I didn't know this was chosen by Miyazaki from the Italian noun Ghibli, uh, which is a name for a hot desert wind, which is kind of cool. And I think it's also, I just watched a video about it. I think it's mm -hmm. also like a part of a plane and he, cause he was obsessed with planes. And yes. so I think that's like something with some Italian model of fighter plane or something. Yeah. The name was the chosen by Miyazaki due to his passion for aviation, as you said, and yeah. also for the idea that the studio would quote, blow a new wind through the anime industry. So that's kind of neat. Wow. Love that. Uh, been around since 85, uh, headed by Miyazaki uh, and other directors, Isao Takahata and producer Toshio Suzuki. And and yeah, it the studio was founded after the success of the 1984 film Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which I almost checked out this week, but then I didn't. Um, so they've been making films, shorts, television programs ever since, several different distributors. At one time it was Disney, and they uh, lost those rights because Disney was kind of a... Uh, douchey and then in uh 2013 this is the best part you'll find this comes up time and time again that miyazaki announced his retirement not the first yeah. time he's done this uh <laughs> he's a dirty liar and we love him for it and and yeah he announced his retirement after this movie too after the the boy in the hair and he's like nah i'm still going <laughs> and so, he's back <laughs> he's back baby he's like the brett Favre of of directors it's great amazing um so now the all these movies are distributed by g kids internationally which is kind of how we get to see them in in america and known probably by us i would say for their redubbing using pretty mainstream actors big names uh, the most recent film, The Boy and the Heron, is an example of that. Very much so. Uh, a lot of big names in this one. So, yeah. Uh, let me first ask, Jackson, before we kind of get into Boy and the Heron overall thoughts, because, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about it because it, it might be in my top five, just saying that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was what's your animation, not just with Ghibli, but, like, anime in general? Like, are you a big anime guy i i never was a big anime guy other than like the last airbender but and that like doesn't really yeah and, uh yeah yeah i think for me and most kids uh like us growing up in indiana 
uh it was like our influence our like intro to like anime was probably either airbender or like the teen titans cartoon which is like yeah. very americanized anime mm-hmm. um some of my friends they watch a lot of anime i i've watched like one or two shows but like I, it's nothing that i like devoutly watch because i feel like people who like are really into anime only watch that and like nothing else because there's such a wide variety of like different types of shows and movies that like oh, yeah. You could you could watch like just watch this forever and like not even like put a dent into like what exists out there, which is pretty crazy. No, there's just there's so much, and at least every person that I know who watches anime like pretty religiously mm-hmm. is like just incredibly passionate about it. Like yeah, there's such a breadth of of content of quality. Uh, Ghibli aside, which is probably my main influence, other than. Like you said, Avatar, I don't know, Dragon yeah. Ball, if that counts. I don't know. Dragon Ball but, counts. I, I never sure. watched it, though. I watched I a little Dragon Ball. For it. Yeah. So I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, this looks cool. So uh, so what was your first foray into like Ghibli stuff? Do you remember what it was? Your like, introduction yeah, to Studio Ghibli? For me, it was really recently. I think my first ever uh, time watching it was like two years ago. Um, mm. where I watched a movie with Abby, and I want to say which one because that's maybe my top one, maybe somewhere Hello. in there, my top five. So nice. Um, yeah. So it's been like a very recent journey into it, and it's been very fun. Uh, we've had a few of these movies on the wheel of real. I think I've discussed like in like the past couple of months that have been fun mm-hmm. uh, to get to, and yeah, they're just really really nice. And it's been recent for me, but has it been longer for you? It actually not as recent as you but not as long as you what am i saying i saw it for the first time in covid was when i first Mm. introduced myself to it (laughs) uh i won't mention also what the first movie was that introduced me to it i don't know if it's the same one as you but it's in my top five so we'll we'll talk about that but but yeah just a world of of uh cinema that i was not really aware of that i've always heard of that i really dipped my toe into and I've, I've quite enjoyed it. So Jackson, how would you describe the films of studio Ghibli? It's hard to, hard to encapsulate, mm. but how would you, how would you describe them? I think they're so comforting. Yes. Like they're very cozy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would say like almost like, obviously this, it was amazing seeing the boy and the heron in theaters. Like that was my first ever Ghibli theater uh, experience. I still think I prefer like a cozy couch mm. watching of, of these movies just because it is so cozy and comforting. Um, yeah. Which I really love. Yeah. They're um, just like, I don't know. It's always, it's like a, they're like tacky, tacky. They tackle like really heavy subject matters mm-hmm. through the lens of a child. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. And it's also always just very whimsical and, and imaginative and very, very surreal and fantasy land type of deal. And I just, it feels very different than other animation studios to me. I, I guess your, your closest comp would be Pixar, but I think Pixar is like trying to do something still, it, a little different yeah they want to take themselves seriously in a way that i think ghibli is like very cool with being like silly goofy and like mm-hmm. weird and maybe off-putting at times but like 
that's kind of the vision and they just stick to it. Like, I don't know. Like even in this most recent one, there were some choices that I was like, that is so weird. Who would do but that? Okay. Right. Yeah. But like, here we are. And like, that's awesome. And I think that's a testament. Well, maybe I'll wait till, till we get there. when we talk about boy and the heron, but, but I just feel like studio Ghibli films. I just feel like it's always so refreshing to still see hand drawn animation mm-hmm. done. Well, uh, I know like a couple of years ago, Ghibli put out a 3d animation one. Like earwig and the it witch or something, something mm-hmm. like that, and it was Miyazaki's son that made it, and I think that everyone kind of agreed that it was like not it, not what Chief. people wanted. Like it wasn't the vibe of Ghibli. It was really kind of an outlier, and I think just the traditional methods of like the frame by frame coloring everything by hand is still just really lovely to see in at least in twenty twenty three still. Uh, all these movies use like bright colors and they have this like joyful aesthetic. And like you said, they're just, they're just so cozy. And I don't know what that is. If it's just like the painted backgrounds and all the scenes or I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but all these movies, again, like I mentioned, they tackle these, like pretty much every movie is like focused on the lives of the youth uh, in, in Japan, at least the like, always talking about these themes of like the progress to tradition and environmentalism with the natural Mm -hmm. world. And, and the really cool thing, I think at least from Miyazaki's perspective, which I think we'll be talking a lot about, even though Ghibli is not strictly Miyazaki movies, but I think our top five will probably all be Miyazaki's. Maybe Mm -hmm. I have one outlier, which is fun, Mm -hmm. but um, they all usually have female protagonists, Mm -hmm. which is like, really cool because i think we're all just used to seeing male protagonists in these kind of movies and that's just so refreshing to to see that yeah. and to, to see a man like an, an 80 year old man still like doing that is like really neat so yeah um yeah but yeah i just I thought i should mention like the miyazaki stuff is only like 50 percent of ghibli's works even though we'll probably primarily be talking about miyazaki mm-hmm. um and yeah so i think that kind of covers it um i don't know what to do here because i want to talk about the boy and the heron but is it going to be on your top five list yeah let's just talk about it oh okay cool let's do where's where's yours placed i put mine at number four mine's at three okay that's good let's let's start with this then because obviously it's the most recent one that we just saw yeah and uh, so tell me about, you already talked about it briefly, your theater experience. You waited in the line, in the cold. Waited in line, in the cold. We got in. It was super cozy. It was literally the busiest this little theater has ever been. Uh, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And it was like a pretty pretty big theater. I would say like my theater was packed um, for the most part, for the standards of, of this theater. And it was just a fun experience. Like I feel like whenever <laughs> like certain weird things would happen, uh like everyone would kind of gasp and whenever like the little white ghosty like like fluffy blubbery uh-huh. creatures that were jumping and bouncing around appeared you could see everyone like turning to their friend and being like <gasps> and it was like just so fun like it like every single person in the theater was like excited to like look at some cute little animation with their friends and it was really fun and there was a huge age range i saw some kids i saw a lot of college kids and you know some older people too it was it was a really fun group watch it's cool because like i mean you and i don't fall in this category but a lot of people of our generation like grew up with these movies mm-hmm. and you know we haven't had a miyazaki movie since 2013 so i think this was a real 
a real treat for people to yeah. to kind of go back and see this again. And you know you're in for a Miyazaki movie when there's a some a lot of cute little creatures in it. So uh-huh. those white things are no exception. Uh, yeah, mine was a little. Uh, I just literally just got back from from seeing it. Not many people in my theater, but still a decent amount for you know a Japanese film in its like mm-hmm. second week of release. Uh, and also should be noted that this was number one at the domestic box office last week. Crazy. So like Ghibli is is moving. You know, I think it's so cool that they were able to market this movie in Japan with just a poster and people yeah. still showed up because Miyazaki is a god over there and rightfully so. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the boy and the heron, a, a quick synopsis for everybody that, uh, while the second world war rages, teenage Mahito haunted by his mother's tragic death in a, in a, a bombing is relocated from Tokyo to the serene rural home of his new stepmother, Natsuko a woman who bears a striking resemblance to the boy's mother. As he tries to adjust, this strange new world grows even stranger following the appearance of a persistent gray heron voiced tremendously by Robert Pattinson, <laughs> um, who perplexes and bedevils Mahito, dubbing him the, quote, long-awaited one. A lot to be desired there, a lot to explore there. So what did you think, Jackson? What did you think of the boy and the heron? Why is this on the top five? Uh, yeah, so for me, uh, this is one where I was really, I don't typically care if it's like sub or dubbed, mm-hmm. but because of like all the hubbub I had heard about like Robert Pattinson's performance, I was like, I got to see his performance. I got to know what it is. Yeah. And it was so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. It was so insanely good. Uh, so that was great. And just like the story in general too, I feel like this kind of takes maybe a slightly different approach from what I'm used to uh, with some Ghibli stuff, Ghibli mm-hmm. stuff um, where you, I mean, like obviously this seems very personal to Miyazaki and like, you know, his father, like that, his dad, like was the dad character basically in this yeah. story. Um, and, and so it was kind of interesting to see him like kind of deal with his traumas and, and put that to screen in like a more serious way. Like I, I feel like, um i feel like some of these movies are age appropriate for like basically anybody but i feel like maybe this one is like a slightly older audience uh would maybe get more out of it than than the younger ones this time around which i think is totally fine uh and yeah i don't know it it explores some interesting traumas that i wouldn't mind seeing more of and have that be expanded upon and i feel like i'm gonna like this movie the more i learn and 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 think about this movie i guess like i feel like it's just gonna get better and better yeah, I feel like Ghibli movies, especially this one, beg rewatch because I think you mm-hmm. pick something new up every time. It's it's so funny. I watched this and I walked out and I was like, it just this is like the year like Scorsese, Miyazaki, these really old directors kind of coming to terms with their art and their lives mm-hmm. and the way they've chosen to to spend it. And they're just putting it all out there. You know, everything is very autobiographical and they're letting they can get away with things that I don't think most people couldn't like, mm-hmm. I think a rookie filmmaker couldn't get away with some of the things Miyazaki does in this movie. There's such like giant leaps and bounds between like just scenery in the movie. Like you're in one place and then you're in another place and like, you're just taking these massive leaps, but you don't really pay it any mind because you're just like in this dreamlike world. And it's just, it's it's really something. It just feels like Miyazaki towards the latter part of his career is commenting on the imaginative worlds that he has created. Mm-hmm. I found that to be really impactful 
for me watching this. And I, if I think about it longer, I might have a more profound thought on it, but it just feels like, at least in the movie, like there's the Mark Hamill character who plays like the grand uncle or whatever. Yeah. And it just feels like Miyazaki sees himself as that guy mm. while also seeing himself as the boy, Mahito. Um, that he's like, he's created these landscapes and these surreal worlds to navigate. And he's coming to terms with like passing it on to the next generation. Yeah. It feels very generational in that mm -hmm. way. And, and I guess we'll spoil the movie right here that, you know, at the end of the movie, he gets the option to stay and be, you know, king of Candyland, like the fantasy world that he's in. Yeah. Or he can go home to a world that's like riddled with war and doesn't have his mm -hmm. mom there. Like he could stay here and hang out with his mom in child form, which was yeah. just really fun and cute. But he chooses to go home because that's real. That's where his home is. That's where his family and friends are. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just really like feels like Miyazaki. Like I've made all these imaginative worlds for you guys. But remember reality is where we need to be and yeah it, it just felt very yeah it felt very like i know he's making another movie but i know it felt very like final to me but he's still cranking yeah that would, have, that would have been an amazing one to end on i feel like thematically for his career and, and summarizing it even like when how it ends too like like whenever he's back there's like that slight narration where you see like his little brother now who's older and mm. talking about how they move back into the city and it's just kind of like this like even like the ending there couldn't be this like and they live there forever and it was really fun and it was like no like this is the the beauty of the impermanence of of everything and like the yeah. the constant moving and changing and yeah i don't know like that's also just something that he does typically with his movies that i love that like a lot of animation or just animated movies in general, or just movies in general, uh, which I, I say animation as if like it's its own genre. It really isn't. It is its mm -hmm. own medium, but uh, and is just as valid as any other movies. But um, the, something that I find so interesting with his work is like the way he builds these worlds and then barely bothers to catch anybody up on what any oh, of it is supposed to I, be. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. And then that's not his problem. That's not your problem. Like you're just there. Like it is a dream. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to feel like a dream. And it does like it, it is constantly like, I don't know what this is, but like I'm catching on with these little clues here and there, but I'm never going to get the full picture of, of the scope of the worlds that he creates. And I think that's so cool when, it, because especially now, because I feel like every movie, a lot of the times like tries to like just throw exposition at you and explain yeah. how everything got to be exactly where it was. And, and he, he's not bothered with that at all. He Skips paints it. his picture. You can enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it does not need an exposition dump for yeah. basically any of his. Yeah. I felt like at least just when I was watching this one for the first hour, I really found myself like trying to think really hard about like what is what does all this mean? Like, why are they cutting up this fish? Why are the pelicans eating these white little white dudes and then i just and then i was just like i just gotta i just gotta give myself to this it, it yeah. turns very quickly from thinking to just feeling mm -hmm. and then it all comes back at the end and it it lands the plane um very very uh smoothly so mm -hmm. yeah and then as you said i did i saw the dubbed version as well i haven't seen the subbed version but robert pattinson my god um it's just like he is a we say this all the time about brad pitt He's just a, a character actor trapped in a leading man's body. Mm -hmm. He is having so much fun and he's just great. I, I was just love to listen to him, like chop it up. It was, it was awesome. So you, you would never like in a million years get into my head. Tell me like, I hear him 
doing his performance and it's like okay i'm gonna guess it's robert pattinson like that would never happen no never uh, I mean, he's doing something so transformative and man like fuck chris pratt man like <laughs> come on like that's like he's just doing his voice over and over again and just like selling his name to whatever animated project he's doing and like robert pattinson's about that life dude like he he should oh, be garfield is he's what you're great saying. he he should be garfield <laughs> Um. Wow, you're so right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So he was great. I thought this cast was really fun. You know, Willem Dafoe just there for you know two minutes voicing a pelican. That was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, Florence Pugh. Dave Batista. Yeah. All all these people are there. Mark Hamill, obviously. Christian Bale, kind of coming mm-hmm. back and yeah, reprising. Well, not um, not the same role, but he likes but, to come back. Yeah, it is cool because I did read that. So the same voice actor in Japan voiced Howl. In House oh, cool. Castle. Okay. So they like it's like the same that symmetry, yeah, which is kind of cool. That's neat. So yeah, I just thought this was a a really, really heavy and really imaginative movie. And I had mm-hmm. to put it on to kind of as a capstone on what could be Miyazaki's final movie, but he's still going, baby. So we love to see that from him. So yeah, this is my number four, and that's your number three. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So let's um let's hop to your number five then, Jackson. Let's yeah. see what you got. So my number five is one that I watched uh, this year for the first time. It's My Neighbor Totoro, cute, which is just such a cute one. And I really wanted to to talk about it one because it. I think out of all of the movies, this is truly like just vibes. Like there is not a whole lot of plot at all in this no. one. Um, it's just two really young sisters. Um, I think it's the the Fannings, perhaps. In the, yeah, in the it dub, is. Yeah, which is really fun. Really like really good. Um, and the creatures I just think are so much fun. Like Totoro is like this big giant, like bunny thing, cat guy. And there's the cat bus, which is like super iconic as well. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because I was, you know, FaceTiming my baby cousin who's like five or six. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was showing her like my cat Pete who Pip, who is, uh, this giant ginormous cat now, um, (laughs) which is named after our squeaker award. Um, and she was like, oh, he's like Totoro or she's like Totoro. And, um, I was like, yeah, you've seen my neighbor Totoro. And she's like, yeah, I love it. And it's just like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I love that. Like, oh, it's such, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's the movie to show little kids. If like, you want to get them into like something like this. And it's just like the gateway, the gateway. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. It's just on the outskirts of my list, but Mm -hmm. But it's exactly what you you mentioned. Like it is the encapsulation of like I have one on my list that's kind of like this, but the encapsulation of just no plot but vibes. Like, mm-hmm. and I think Totoro has become like the namesake, the face of of Ghibli now. Like it's in the yeah. it's in when the production credits on the screen when it comes up. And mm-hmm. you're right, it's just a, it's just a lovely vibe. You know, Totoro shows up just like what a couple times. Like you you go in and you're like thinking like, oh, this is going to be a big thing. And it's like 86 minutes, you're in and you're out. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I watched, but I felt good. You know, it's a warm hug. Yeah. It's great. We uh, we love it. So yeah, it's just off my list. But um, but yeah, who else is in this cast? Just the fannings of the ones I remembered off the top of the dome. But it's a great cast. I don't know either. Okay, wonderful. Um, okay, my number five is, what is my number five? My number five is a movie that I watched for the first time just a couple months ago. And my number five is Ponyo, which I 
just really loved. It's just about this this little boy who develops a relationship with this goldfish princess, mm-hmm. and voiced by Noah Cyrus, which is wonderful. Yeah. And the five-year-old boy, I think, is Frankie Jonas. So, like, the mm-hmm. Jonas Brothers and the Miley Cyrus are getting together. Uh, this little goldfish princess just wants to be a human so bad mm-hmm. because she, like, forms this deep connection with this little boy. And uh, it's so innocent. It's so sweet. It's adorable. Like, really stunning animation of kind of this underwater world. And there's just this scene where, like, the oceans like rise up and there's this giant flood and storm and just the animation very, of this. Very is... similar to uh, Aquaman. Yeah, exactly. Abby <laughs> pointed that out. She's like, it's like Aquaman kind of step aside. James Wan Miyazaki <laughs> did it first. Um, just really stunning and, and just really magical from this was my pick kind of like yours. This is like the no plot, just vibes. Like, yeah, there is plot in this. Like they're looking for his, his mother voiced by Tina Fey, which is just also really fun. Awesome. Um, just a really sweet story about these little kids who grow a fondness for each other. And they come from like two different worlds. It's just mm-hmm. really sweet. Liam Neeson plays like this ocean master guy yeah. who like has to take care of the ocean. Uh, Matt Damon's in this one too, as the dad. Kate mm-hmm. uh, Blanchett is like the spirit of the ocean going on. And there's like Betty White's doing a bit and all this just a great cast. This was so fun. Yeah, so this is on my list too. This is my number two pick, <gasps> um, which yes. I watched for the first time this week. And as a kid, I would always see trailers for this. Like this, the Ponte trailer was always on like a lot of my DVDs growing up. I don't yeah. know. I guess that time, that time frame, I guess. And yeah. I always just assumed that it sucked. I don't know why. Like as a kid, I was like, I was kind of the stupid. same way. I don't know why. Um, but I don't no. know why. I really have no idea why. Um, I thought it was so silly and stupid, but I watched it for the first time this week and oh my God, it is so cute and it is so good. And there's like just enough plot to be like, oh shit, like this is like, yeah, you stay in it. Um, and Liam Neeson, who is doing like, like an underwater David Bowie kind of thing. Like, (laughs) like that whole character is, is so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, shout out to Betty White also, who has a fun little role as an old lady in this. That's um, it's really good but yeah i think, it's, I think it, lily tomlin's in there too yeah there's Forest there's Leech a Man. bunch yeah um yeah it is just such a fun like i like the colors are so vibrant like the whole scene oh my god the scene where like the captain is like at sea and they're like using the signal to like do morse code oh, to each other adorable. And, like, and talk is so great and also so funny when like the mom's mad at him and is like like saying like bug off, bug off, bug off, like just over and over and like the way like it, it it's shown is so funny. Um this one's like this one for me is like the funniest of the Miyazaki movies, and I think mm-hmm. they're all like really, really good. Um yeah, I was like I was I was laughing like a lot while watching this. Yeah, this it's is definitely so- like one of the lighter ones mm-hmm. on my list, I would say. I think the they just get darker as I go, I think. Yeah. So this is Ain't- I, yeah. I do want to say really quick too, I think something that Miyazaki does that is really interesting is all of the parents in these movies are like the nicest people. <laughs> like they are so, so sweet and like they're so fun um, and just so kind, like especially my neighbor Totoro and in this one too. Like they're just like, wow, like these are, these are great parents. I love them. Yeah. I think it's just like the, the generational thing he's trying to get by. Like these mm-hmm. kids are this way because their parents are so lovely. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
it's good stuff. So yeah, Ponyo is adorable. I watched it for the first time on a on a plane, and it was the best plane trip I've ever had. So it was great. No notes. Wonderful stuff. Um, so that's my number five. Uh, and my number four is the boy and the heron. So nice. Uh, what's your number four? Yeah, so my number four is uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which I just watched this week, nice. um, which is really fun. The American cast is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, Christian Bale, of course, as Howl, and Billy Crystal as Calcifer, who is this fire demon that moves the the big giant ship Walking castle castling. thing. And he's so fun. That was like one I did not know I needed. Uh-huh. Uh, but like it was, it, it made perfect sense and it was, it was super great. You also have Josh Hudgerson as Markle, who's this like young little wizard boy who is super weird. But then the main character is just this, this girl named Sophie, who is this sweet young girl who works at a hat shop who gets cursed to look like an, to be an old woman. And it is, that one like weirdly like fucked me up a little bit, like watching it <laughs> just because like, I don't know, like, like I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the worst curse ever. She got turned instantly into this old woman and now like your whole perspective of life is changed and different. And now who knows how much time we got? Like, I don't know. Like it, it immediately stressed me out, which was just like, <laughs> wow, I, I am gripped. Yeah. Uh, but she is so cute and she's such a positive character throughout the whole thing that it, it just felt really good. Um, I love like the door portals that they have and like all that fun little world building stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just weird. And I, and I really, really liked it. Yeah. There aren't any like clear cut villains in this yeah. one really, which is uh-huh. kind of cool. And it's also kind of cool. Cause I have, I have um one, a lot coming up that kind of have to deal with like the violent nature of the world. Mm-hmm. This one really is about like, no one is violent. It's very pacifistic i would say like you do have the witch i guess who like cursed um cursed her but then it's kind of like this interesting idea of like um because like of course hal has this curse type thing too where he's like turning into like a bird monster thing and it is very much like beauty and the beast but like way cooler um and it is kind of just i don't know like i feel like it's kind of just take what you're given and make the best of the situation seems to be the the themes Always um, a big theme, and Miyazaki oh yeah, and Ghibli. but like especially in this one too, where just like you are cursed to be this old lady, you are cursed mm-hmm. to turn into this bird monster <laughs> thing. Uh, you're a fire demon who's bound to this castle. Like, there's a whole bunch of fun, like weird stuff. Um, and it's just really great. I don't know. There's like, and they kind of do some of the weird like 3D animation on the castle that like mm-hmm. makes it stand out, like and move interesting. And I thought that worked really well in this. And yeah. uh. Yeah, it's great. Be compassionate to old people, guys. I think yeah. is, is the takeaway. That's true. The old people in these movies are always just amazing. They're just elder statesmen who are always just trying mm-hmm. to help or or they're evil witches, but they always come That's true. It's it's one or, <laughs> it's one or the, the other. other. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest or the worst. Yeah. So, um that's wonderful. House didn't make it on mine, but it's also like an honorable mention. All yeah. like all of these are honorable mentions. Yeah. I have not watched a Ghibli movie that I don't like. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And I'll have I'll list some honorable mentions when we're done, but um that's great. That was your number four? Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. My number three then is and your number three is Boy in the Heron? Yep. Okay, cool. My number three uh is Princess Mononoke. Have you seen nice. this one? I haven't. This is on Got my watch list. I was so bummed I couldn't get around to it this week. This this one is great. Uh so there's this prince 
uh, of like this this disappearing like tribe of people mm-hmm. who is cursed by a, another curse, cursed by this god voiced by Keith David. He's like a giant oh, boar. That's awesome. I love Keith David. Uh, he has to go like travel to find a cure. And along the way, he encounters uh, this human woman fighting to protect the forest. Uh, and there's another person that's trying to destroy it. And this prince must like find a way to kind of bring balance to the conflict. So this one is really gritty and violent. Um, it really holds nothing back. Like there are some really shocking, grisly scenes of death uh, and destruction. This is a fun cast as well. Billy Crudup. Claire Danes, uh, Mini Driver, Billy Bob Thornton, and of course Keith David is this boar god is just tremendous. I love Billy Bob Thornton. Tremendous too. stuff. Yeah, it's a, real, it's a fun cast. That's a good cast. Um, and this one really kind of tackles the stories of like environmentalism and kind of what we do to the natural world and how we destroy it, which is like these gods personify the natural world of the forest and and just the relationship of humans trying to take advantage of it. It's really, really profound and really dark and gritty and definitely not um, the fun and whimsical Ghibli that you're looking for. But I think it's a really, really striking imagery, really cool story to tell. And there's this giant wolf that's really cool. And it's all good stuff. I would highly recommend it. And you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, oh, oh, God. Like there's some <laughs> tough stuff. So pretty gruesome stuff. Pretty did gruesome. you? Yeah, I guess did that like dis? Because I hadn't seen like the real gory stuff or anything like that. So like mm-hmm. whenever I got to the boy and the heron, and you know he like hits himself in the head with the rock and he's yeah. bleeding, I was like, oh, oh man. Um, yeah, you're gonna be shocked. <laughs> also, just like yeah. this is just something I'm thinking about now with the boy and the heron. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with a bunch of like parakeets, which are amazing, <laughs> amazing. But like. Yeah. At at one point, like the birds just like shit on everybody, and like everyone's just chilling, <laughs> and like nobody's like disgusted. Everyone's just like, "All right." It's so funny. Even like early in the movie, the heron like flies into his windowsill, and there's also shit on the windows. Yeah, and, and then like... he just puts his hand like on it, kind of. Yeah, and, he, doesn't like... give a, he doesn't care. It's great. Yeah, I thought that was insane. I loved it. But yeah, it's just always like you. It's like you look at this imagery, and like I think I even read about Totoro that like. Miyazaki just drew this image of like at the bus stop of Totoro and the girl at the bus stop. And then Mm -hmm. he built a movie around that. Like, I feel like he does that all the time. He's like, this would be so cool. And I'm going to incorporate it in my movie in some way. And that's where like the plot people are like, but the plot, I was like, yeah, but the imagery and the feelings. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I would recommend uh, Mononoke. So yeah, that's my number three. And number, what's your number two? You said Ponyo. Ponyo is my number two. Yeah. I think my number two is your number one. Okay, let's get into it. So, tell me about Spirited Away. This was my first. This is my first ever introduction. It was my Studio as well. Ghibli. Yeah. Um, I don't have the, the the cast list up right now, and it's hard to find because I feel like they changed just, it on Letterboxd. Like some, like for oh, some yeah. movies, you can find the English dub, and some they they don't show it at all. I wish there was like a feature where you could like swap through them or something. I didn't write down the cast because the Spirited Away cast is, it's not like big name, like A-listers. It's like voice actors. like the, Yeah, it's like actual voice actors. Like I, I couldn't tell you the actual person, but like uh, the Lilo voice actress is, uh, uh, is it Chichiro? Or yeah, Chichiro? Davey um, Elizabeth Chase. Yeah, she's so great. Yeah, the voice of Lilo. And it's really fun. Um, 
yeah so this was like my first introduction to it and i think for me as far as like fantastical ideas the whole like spa for like the spirit the spirit realm where everyone can come in and like yeah. get a nice spa day is like one of the weirdest but like that's all i need like that is enough um for me to yep. get into it um it's really fun it's crazy like the the intro is really interesting with like the main character she's moving to a new town like a new like house which is actually like now that i think about it on almost every single one that i've seen like the idea of like moving uh to a new place is like at the core of basically everything yeah uh, so maybe that's a good time to introduce it to your kid like a, a new place and a new um uh, i don't know perspective i guess which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting but basically her parents get uh they get turned into pigs because they eat this delicious looking food and carter we, we have to talk about the studio ghibli food oh yeah so delicious <laughs> and oh my gosh um even those fish guts looked a little tasty, I guess, in The Boy and the Heron. Yeah, even when they're scarfing it down. I noticed in The Boy and the Heron, too. It's just such a simplest thing. He's just She butters some toast and puts some jelly on it. Yeah, and it, it drips, looks so good. drips down his cheeks. <sighs> even when they're pigging out on this food, like they're just scarfing it down. Like, yeah. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's yeah. just it's tangible. It's great. But yeah, they turn into pigs. Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they turn into pigs. Also... Really stressful situation if I'm this girl. I might just go home and hope I wake up from the dream because that's yeah. it's not even like much. they're talking pigs. They're just pigs. No, they're just pigs. Yeah. Um, which is really scary. Mm-hmm. And basically she has to like, you know, like work within this system to like pass the test to to get her parents out, basically. And she mm-hmm. has this guy, Haku, who's helping her, um, who has this whole plot line. But again, like it's just mostly vibes. Like you you'll get it along the way, but like it's not not this like super important thing, but um yeah, yeah it's just really fun like i feel like this is where we get that one spirit who is like really tall and and wears the black and has like the white face mask and kind of like runs around and that that's like also a huge part of like ghibli lore i feel like yeah definitely. Uh, as far as like the iconography but yeah like we have i have actually literally you can see in my background carter i have spirited away uh oh, yeah. like that I got you. um and then in the <laughs> we have the spa one of the uh, like the the ducks in the like the giant duck ducklings yep. just sitting in the spot that's in our bathroom. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie. It is so beautiful. That I think this is maybe my, like just as far as like looking at the art. I feel like every frame of this is like oh, its yeah. own masterpiece, and there's mm-hmm. so much to look at. Um, but yeah, it, it and also the witch is probably the most iconic villain antagonist, probably of, of Ghibli lore of, of Ghibli stuff. Yeah, yeah like. Um, super fun. Her baby gets turned into a mouse, and then he prefers to stay a mouse at the end of the movie, and that's cool too. Like that's just how it goes. Accept your circumstances, man. Yeah, we we love it. Um, yeah, this was also my entry point to to Ghibli. I watched it for the first time in COVID. I think with Will. I think Will showed nice. it to me because he also loves this movie. Um, really, that's so interesting. Yeah, isn't it? To me, yeah. it's like to me, this is like Miyazaki's like Wizard of Oz or totally. like Alice in Wonderland or something like mm-hmm. that. Really, the full encapsulation, I think, of the fantasy and supernatural worlds that he likes to play with to express the human emotions of a child in a big way. And mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of the vessel in between worlds, being in between the world of like a child and an adult. I think mm-hmm. he comes back to that all the time. Like, wh- what do you do when you're just in between there? And yeah, no giant names, just kind of all voice acting cast legends. So it's just a really 
sweet story. And the, again, yeah. I called you a, a soot ball earlier. And soot sprite, they're soot so sprite. cute. And uh, that's with love. Those so. are also like super iconic. I feel like those those are probably the second most iconic, if not for Totoro, just like the soot sprites like running around doing their cute thing. Yeah, so iconic that they made like a small animated short with Grogu. Yeah, remember I, that? Oh yeah, remember oh, that's so weird. And the, yes, and I do soot remember that. Sprites. <laughs> Which everyone was like, oh my gosh, Studio Ghibli's doing a collab with Star Wars. And then it was just like this this three-minute little That's cute, though. short. Which was I'll cute. Have to, I'll have to rewatch that. Yeah. If you can spare three minutes, enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, wonderful. This is my number two. Okay. Um, so my number one is a curveball because it's not a Miyazaki movie. Mm. This was actually probably, without me knowing it, my first actual foray into Ghibli. Oh, Spirit, Spirited Away was the one where I was like, oh, this is a Studio Ghibli movie. But like going back, I realized that this one that I watched is a Ghibli movie first. Um, and I think I also talked about this on our, uh, I think our Asian cinema appreciation episode mm. that we did a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, this is called Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, I do remember you talking about this. Yeah, this is directed by Iseo Takahata, which is also one of the three directors that kind of, or two directors that founded Ghibli yeah. with Miyazaki. Uh, this is like one of the first. This came out in 1988, or yeah, somewhere in the 80s. And this is about in the final months of World War II, uh, this 14 year old and his little sister are orphaned when their mother's killed during an air raid. So, like, kind of similar to Boy in the Hair yeah. kind of vibes. Um, so after kind of having like a falling out with their aunt, they move into this abandoned bomb shelter that they find these two kids and with no surviving relatives and just their rations to work with, they just like survive, struggle to survive in this bomb shelter. When I tell you that this is the most unrelenting, devastating movie you'll ever watch, um, it's it's brutal. This is kind of the mold of, I think following children through the bigger ideas in the world, like a loss of innocence kind of that they they tackle that is talked about over and over again in Ghibli movies and a lot of wartime movies and the trauma that world war two caused the -hmm. the Japanese people. I think they always come back to that. And I also was just thinking a lot about this one in the wake of Godzilla minus one, two, very strangely where like, this month I've just watched these devastatingly beautiful Japanese stories about devastation and Mm -hmm. like the human resilience. And this is a very mature animated movie. Um, And it always comes back to, you mentioned it earlier, just that when Del Toro won the Oscar for Pinocchio, where he's like, this isn't a genre, it's a medium. Like I always, I, this is not just a story for kids, like animation. This is a brutal beautifully heart-wrenching movie and i would recommend it but it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like i will never be able to watch that again so yeah um kind of a downer to end my top five list but uh (laughs) but it's just the most powerful one i've 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 watched of ghibli and i think the full gamut of ghibli is is displayed in my list but yeah i I ended it on a on a pretty sour note, but it's a gorgeous story. So I'd recommend it, but you will cry. So there is that. Amazing. Um, wonderful. That's my top five uh, and your top five. Mm-hmm. Should we, uh, 
let's recap real quick. What, what was your top five? And then we'll do some honorable mentions. Yeah. So uh, my top five at number five, I had my neighbor Totoro going up to Howl's Moving Castle. Number three, I had the boy and the heron. Then Ponyo. And at number one, Spirited Away. Beautiful. My number five was Ponyo. My number four, the boar and the the boar. The boy and the heron. Three, Princess Mononoke. Two, Spirited Away. And one, Grave of the Fireflies. Are there any honorable mentions that you watched and feel that just deserve a, the, a spot in the sun for a minute? Yeah, I got one. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, which is really cute. Cute one. But just not enough. Not enough like whimsy for me to throw in here. Just a just a, a witch trying to find her way in a new community. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I have a few. Uh, I want to shout out the Wind Rises, which w- mm. was supposedly Miyazaki's final movie until he said final. Psych. <laughs> um, it's kind of just a love letter to to flight and talks about like Japanese aviation, which is definitely yeah. Uh, speaking on his his father's experience and, and everything, so. That one I thought was a really good capstone on his career too, but then he was like psych 10 years later. So uh, it's a good one. It's more of like a, it's almost like a biopic feel in animation, yeah. which is kind of cool. So I'd recommend that one. Uh, I did check out Porco Rosso because I was so intrigued. Yeah. I by saw it. that you, yeah, I saw that you logged it. Um, it was great. Had no idea. You know, the voice of this, this no, man I don't. who's been cursed as a pig. Uh, Michael Keaton was the dub and just, that's awesome. Absolutely tremendous. Um, really fun. This guy gets cursed to be uh, a pig. He's a, a World War One Italian fighter pilot, and he lives as a bounty hunter. But he was was cursed to be a pig. So it's it's just great stuff. Amazing. Like a big metaphor there, maybe heavy hitting that he's a pig and he's like, uh, men are pigs. Am I right? And you know, fascism. Good yeah. stuff. Um. And then the final one I'll mention is um, Castle in the Sky, which is an early Miyazaki yeah. one. Um, this little girl has a crystal and they have to race against pirates and stuff and find this legendary floating castle. More adventure, mm-hmm. uh, whimsical adventure than than having like deeper impact or profound meaning, I would say. But still a really, uh, really fun time. Um, I think that's all. That I've checked out. Um, the it's called Zen Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. That's the animated. Ooh, okay. Shirt. So check out the Dust Bunnies if you want. Um, wonderful. Any final thoughts on on Ghibli before I take us to the box? Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, you talked about Wind Rises and how that was gonna be his last one, and mm-hmm. it seems like maybe as he's exploring these uh processes, he's maybe uncovering some trauma or, or story that he wants to tell along the way. Like obviously, these past couple ones seem very personal to him, mm-hmm. and I'm really, I'm really curious what's gonna be like the actual final one. If this is the one, that's amazing. Like if this is like what ends up being the last one ever officially told on screen, like. I think this is a great one to end on, but if he does something even more personal, I think we are in for a treat because man, these are, these are really good. Yeah. I, I just do the comparison of Scorsese. Like I think he'll just make movies till he drops. Yeah. Really, I think it just keeps pulling him back in and he has more stories to tell. So I don't know. It's either going to be a real, another really personal movie or it's going to be like a Ponyo and it's going to be just a, a fun, cute little whimsical one again. And I'm also, fine with either. You talking about like his his love for like aircrafts and stuff. I I don't know if this is like ever been the case, but I really hope him and Spielberg just sit down and have a chat. I feel like that'd be really cool because he be also dope. like 
got his like start in filmmaking by like filming like uh like planes and like plane yards and stuff and like getting really into stuff like that. So I don't know. I feel like there's maybe a a cool shared connection there. And you talk uh, about like two people who have like revisited time and time again World War II and like mm-hmm, that generation. Totally. Two very different perspectives yeah. for like the greatest generation and one who was just, you know, traumatized and traumatized. And, yeah. So there could definitely be some interesting uh, some layers there. So yeah, I hope totally. we speak that into existence. I don't know if they've ever collabed also. They maybe have, but I don't know, but they should. So great stuff. Wonderful. Let's move on to what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? Uh, do you have any reviews, Jackson, of any uh, Ghibli movies from Letterboxd that you like? I completely forgot. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I have two for you then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm so I, sorry. I dropped the ball there. No worries. I have uh, one from Sophie, five stars for Spirited Away. Uh, my goal in life is to turn into soot and carry coal into a burning furnace, only to be rewarded with little star candies by a bathhouse worker and celebrate with my little sootball friends. Mm, yeah, that sounds like a good life. And I can agree. Um, and my my last one is, this is five stars from The Shrillest uh, for Ponyo. And it's, I do have a girlfriend. She just lives in another ecosystem, okay? (laughs) Um, Amazing. Beautiful. Uh, I have one I just found. Oh, good. Uh, This is for The Boy and the Heron. Uh, It's four stars from Blu-ray Angel. Amazing name. Uh, It said, if my dad married my mom's mom's younger sister, I'd probably be pissed too. (laughs) Yeah, that was was quite something. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful. Jackson, let's move on to You Feeling Lucky. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? And I want to have two brief conversations with you. The first one's kind of a, a game, per se. Mm-hmm. And the second one's just a combo I want to have with you. Um, so Spirited Away is the only Miyazaki film to win an Oscar. Okay? Mm-hmm. The one that animated, best animated feature, Oscar, back in the day. I want you... There were five other... Um, Studio Ghibli movies that were nominated for Best Animated Feature, but they I lost to these movies. So I'm not going to make you guess anything. Oh. I'm just going to have you blind rake the movies that beat them for the Oscar. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. So there's five movies here, and I'm going to have okay. you blind rank them one to five, which you think was the best. Okay. Let's do it. Amazing. I am going to start with uh, Frozen. Who to beat out? Frozen beat out The Wind Rises. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't like Frozen very much. I'm going to put it at four. Okay. Uh, when I saw that movie, it was after the hype. And I was like, all right, let's check this out. Were you and- working in the movie theater at that time? Like, had you seen it or heard it so many times that you were I don't like, think I was. I Because that was definitely in high school when I worked it, like when I worked there, but... 2013 or 14? I think it might have been just before I worked there. Gotcha. But, like, I remember watching it because I was definitely in high school. And it just... I was like, this is fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. It's It wasn't worth the craze. Damn. But that's... That's Disney. Jackson won't be on the Frozen podcast when Frozen 3 <laughs> comes out. And four. I think they're making two of them. Anyway. Uh, okay. Um, Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I kind of like this movie. This beat uh, Howl's Moving Castle. 
that's fucked up. That should not. That should not have <laughs> happened. Uh, I do like this movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put it at five just because. Okay. I think that is way more tr- like that's super atrocious. I get why Frozen One it had its whole like cultural moment of that year. It was what everyone was talking about nonstop. Yeah, I get it. Uh, <laughs> Wallace and Gromit. Uh, no, I've never seen classic. It. Everyone likes it. Like it, it's been a cartoon for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very British and dry. I think Shaun the Sheep is like the same like company. Yeah. So like, and Ard- I know that Ardman. did pretty yeah. yeah. So I don't know like. I, I liked it as a kid. It's not better than uh, House Movie Castle. Castle. Very Houseman fair. That in five. Uh, the last three Ghibli movies are ones we I don't think either of us have seen. Okay. They're not Miyazaki movies. Uh, the next one is uh, Inside Out. Oh. It beat uh, a movie called When Marnie Was There. This is not a Miyazaki movie, but it is a Ghibli film. I'm going to put that at two just to be safe. Inside Out at two. Yeah. Beautiful. Very nice. Uh, next we have, uh, Zootopia. It beat out the red turtle, which is a movie I have that not seen cute. either. That sounds cute. Uh, I'm going to put that at three. I definitely like it better than frozen out of the like Disney animated new stuff that they've been doing. Uh, not perfect, but better than frozen. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to be quite pleased with what you've done here, Jackson, okay. because, uh, the last one is big hero six. I like big hero six. You I know, know you I, do. I, I do think I prefer I think Inside Out is the better movie for sure. But Big Hero Six at one, I am not even a little bit upset at that. That's that great. is a fun, fun choice and a good rewatch. That beat out, out the tale of Princess Kaguya, which I also have not seen. Um wonderful. So amazing. Number five, uh Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were Rabbit. Number four, Frozen, number three, Zootopia, number two, Inside Out, and number one, Big Hero Six. That's a very good list, my friend. You're good mm-hmm. at these, and I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the final one, just a little convo I want to have with you, okay. is about the boy and the heron, yeah, and and what you think about its Oscar chances this year um, for animated. It's a pretty competitive category, I think, this I year. But I think it's got a, I think it's got a really good shot at getting it. Right. To me, it's between Spider Verse and and this. Yeah, I would think it's it's really interesting because. That was kind of one of the first things I thought about leaving the theater. You were like, wow, like, you that, know, is that going to win? Or Yeah, I was I was really curious just because like, well, one, when when a, Into the Spider-Verse won in a couple years ago. 18, I think. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so, so happy for them because mm-hmm. like this was like a movie that was pushing, pushing the mold a little bit, breaking the mold, doing something a little different. And... And I love Across the Spider-Verse. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't think it's better than Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it wins over The Boy and the Heron, I will be disappointed. Um, just because I feel like The Boy and the Heron is... I don't know. Like I feel like it is very much like the love letter to Miyazaki. Like This is maybe one of his final projects. Yeah. Uh, the Wind Rises, like you said, didn't win. Um I don't know. Maybe it's the time. Maybe it's time to mix it up a little bit. Like, is it safe at this point to go with a Spider-Man like animated movie uh, yeah. as the winner? I don't know. Like, they definitely did a lot. Um, you know, there's also all that stuff that came out about how like the animators were overworked and underpaid, <laughs> yeah. and it was kind of fucked up situations over there. Uh, I I don't know how Studio Ghibli runs their their animators. I hope they don't work them to the bone. Well, this was I I think the Boy and the Heron was like six years in production. So sure. I I don't yeah, think it's, they do. it's not they take their time. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I kind of hope the boy in the heron beats out uh, across the Spider Verse. What about what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I really don't have a feeling of which way it's it's gonna go. Like, I feel like Spider Verse yeah. is gonna get. Like, I feel like there's a strong chance for a score nomination for totally. Spider Verse, which totally. could like lean it in another way. But then also there's a world where maybe I don't know if if Japan has already submitted their film that they're wanted to for do international. Uh, they might have. But I don't remember. Like there could be a world where the boy and the heron falls in that category also. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think it's definitely between those two. Do you think I, I wrote down uh, eight more movies? That I think are like competing for it, but I don't think they have a shot. Yeah. You let me know if they have a shot. Um, Trolls band together? N- no, <laughs> I think it would. Uh, it could be nominated, but I don't think it would yeah. have a shot of winning. Uh, migration. That's an interesting one. We haven't seen a whole lot of it, other than like a few trailers. Mm-hmm. I think it comes uh, out <laughs> maybe next weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think it's soon. There was an ad that talked about Little Duck Energy, and Avi saw it and was just like, "Now, why would they do that? Like, <laughs> what's going on over there?" Um, so who knows? Oh, I don't know what that movie's mm-hmm. gonna be. Uh, Nimona. That one, I would be kind of happy to see get a nom. That's the Netflix mm-hmm. one. It's a mm-hmm. graphic novel adaptation. Uh, it was really cute. I I quite enjoyed that movie. Uh, Dawn of the Nugget, the Chicken Run sequel. Speaking of Curse of the Were Rabbit, that came out right, or did it? I think it comes out either this weekend. It's a Netflix one too. Okay, it's soon. Um, it's it's this month, so it's coming yeah. out soon. Um, Wish, which I think I don't I don't I don't think it has a chance. It might get nominated. I think mm-hmm. it might get a song nomination, but I don't know. Three Barbie songs for Golden Globes. I don't know. Could be a competitive. I think Barbie's gonna. I I Barbie's hope... gonna win. But I don't know how how it works. Like, do you submit your song for nomination? Like, do you pick one, or is it kind of just like they just vote on a bunch of songs? Well, I don't know how it used to be, or I don't know how it is now, actually. But it used to be that you could just submit as many songs as you wanted from your yeah. movie. Like Lion King, historically, like I think nominated like four songs, had like four songs or three songs, and won one of them. So I don't know if it's still that way if they limit it to one per movie, but. If I that... just feel like it's a huge mistake for Barbie to push like the I'm just Ken over the like Billy Eilish like the now what I'm yeah the Billy Eilish song I feel like is the song I think there's also a world where the Dua Lipa song yeah. gets in there too totally so, so I don't know and then I don't really know any other movies with I mean I guess the color purple's there but is that an original song I don't know um, Little Mermaid yeah there were Maybe. some original songs in that I guess there was that abomination of a Lin-Manuel Miranda rap that happened in the middle boy <laughs> um two more I wrote down um Mutant Mayhem Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I would I would love for that to get a nomination mm-hmm. I would love that so much um oh I guess I had two more after Elemental which totally sure might have a chance and then finally of course do you think Mario gets gets nominated? Do you think it makes it in there? It made so much money. I think it has to. Like, does, as does far Peaches as like, get in there too? Uh, I hope not. To get Jack Black to perform at the Oscars, I'm sure that will happen regardless of if it gets nominated. <laughs> he might host him, um, which would be a treat. I'd be down for that. Uh, yeah, I feel like between if I if it were up to me and I could choose the nominations, uh-huh. and it's like five, right, for the category. Yeah, five noms. I would definitely do. The Boy and the Heron. Mm. I definitely do Spider Verse. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think was so much, so much fun. Uh, I feel like Mar- Mario feels like a safe bet, just because it 
truly was dominating the box office for so long. Yeah. And ooh, who would my fifth slot be? I'd probably, Maybe. if I were the if me, I'd probably give it to Elemental. I, I was like going to say the, Elemental over like Wish. Like you got to have more. You got to have a Disney one in there. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, that feels like a safer bet. Yeah. I mean, Wish bombed. Like it's a it's a bomb. And Elemental so. had a really weird wave of like nobody saw wave. it, and then like everybody saw it, and it actually broke a bunch of records for them. So. I think because it opened it like in the middle of the summer against like a big movie. I can't remember. I think it just it fell weird. into the Barbie Oppenheimer wake. And like, uh, yeah, I think that the hype wasn't around it. But then Disney Plus, it was like, oh, shit. And they, do some, they do some like interesting things. You know, what's crazy. Really I cool. feel like uh, a Miyazaki elemental take. Now that would be Ooh, awesome. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there, there's so many, like, they do a lot of elemental things throughout Miyazaki stuff. Like, you have people made of water and fire and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it always just feels so much more fun in those. But Miyazaki direct in a Last Airbender movie? About that. I, sure. Like, or do the, do an animated the spirit movie? world. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That'd be fun. Good stuff. Would he um, ever do it? He would never do anything like that. Like, I don't think he would what, ever. like a live action? Like, a, like an oh, IP mean, thing. Oh, established like, IP. I don't think he would ever. No, Everybody he's too much that. like he likes to create his own worlds. I don't think he would do Maybe that. Maybe like Scorsese doing a Marvel movie. I, I just don't think it's, <laughs> it's in the cards. Yikes. Um <laughs> well great. Okay, good combo there. We'll see if we're we're right when it comes when it comes down to it. Um amazing. That's it. We did it. Woohoo! Uh Jackson. Where can people yes. follow us on Instagram and social media and TikTok? Hey, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at roughcut underscore pod. And where can they follow us on Twitter, Carter? You can follow us at roughcut underscore co. Uh, Tune in next week. Uh, It'll be like Christmas, which is fun. So Jackson and I will be talking about you be the judge if it's a Christmas movie. It's a wonderful life next week. Never seen it. Carter will come in with the hot takes. Maybe upon rewatch, I'll be like, yeah, it is a Christmas movie. But I firmly... (laughs) I'm standing on that it's not right now, and we'll probably have a debate, which will be really fun. So I can't wait for that. And it's always wonderful with you, Jackson. (laughs) And I feel spirited away with you. Okay. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.